Our scripture this morning is from Psalm 85. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and will make a path for his steps. The word of the Lord. My friends, it is a delight to be with you in worship. Peter, uh, would you like to step back up here and play for me when I get dramatic stuff in my sermon? <laughs> I really wish that y'all listen to sermons the way you listen to him play harpsichord. Some of you were headbanging out there going, I mean, it was the delight on your face. Peter plays in the office uh, during the week to practice, and so it's something down the hallway. Every now and again, I give him a few pointers, and I think he's getting better. I think he's getting better. <laughs> Certainly, we have a great music ministry at this church. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, Jim does a great job. Herb does a great job. The choir does a great job. I also want to give uh, kudos to Reverend Chambers. And if you haven't heard this, he has been invited to France in the fall to record his own album, and he's going to put saints' prayers to music. If you'd like to know more about that project, please check, uh, check Nick out later and ask him about it. I know that we're trying to help get him some funding to go over there. It's going to be a great, great boon for our congregation to have yet another kind of uh, expression of musical art, and I just really am proud of this church for all its many expressions. Now that that's done, let's turn our heart together in prayer. And before we do, I want you to breathe all the air out of your lungs. And then when you inhale, you'll breathe in the breath of God. Empty your lungs. Breathe in the breath of God. Creator God, we're thankful for the life that you have given us, and we do confess that we haven't always been faithful with that gift. We have been un unwise, wayward, and sinful. But as we walk away from you, we still believe and know that you've sent your Son Christ to reconcile us unto yourself to cultivate in our hearts a desire for your will be done, not for our will be done. And we're thankful. You've also sent your Holy Spirit as a counselor, guide, and friend to us to make us a community of care. Send your Spirit freshly in this hearing, in this hour for you, and I know that without you I can do nothing. Let us be refreshed by this song, Psalm 85. Let it bring renewal to our minds and our hearts and our community. We ask all these things in the matchless name of your Son, and God's people say everywhere together. Amen. Amen. 
They became like two ships passing in the night. There was trouble in the marriage. It had grown stale. They found themselves looking forward most of the time, never really at each other. But they decided in their hearts that they would keep eking it out, you know, for the kids. Neither one of them were fulfilled in the relationship, but, you know, let's keep together for the kids. And then they got worse. The husband stepped out of his marriage, had an extramarital affair. And you see, that wasn't really the problem. All it really was was a huge spotlight to shine a light on the cracks that were already there throughout the foundation of the marriage. They hadn't worked on each other. They hadn't been together in their marriage. They started seeing a therapist. And at first, it was really, really hard. They decided they wanted to stick together to try to work it out, you know, for the kids. Therapy plus time helped. At first, it was just agonizingly hard. But over time, they began to feel each other anew. They began to build an intimacy with one another. They began even dating. They began to laugh again together. And then they developed something profound. They loved each other again. They decided they want to solemnize this newness of their relationship, and so they did a vow renewal service. You've heard of these before. They decided they would get together in front of a pastor and friends in a church, and they would make their promises over again, renew it. And this time was different. Years before, the husband didn't want to do the things his wife wanted to do when they got married at first. He didn't want to take the dance classes that she suggested. This time, he made sure he learned all the steps. What's more, during that vow renewal ceremony, he talked to the pastor beforehand. The pastor turned over the ceremony to him, and he took the microphone, and he learned his wife and his song. And he began to serenade her at the altar. He sounded like a coyote in a trash compactor. But he sang to her nonetheless of his commitment. There's something about song that hits you right in the belly, doesn't it? We can say words, but singing is vulnerable, more vulnerable, I would suggest. And it, and it requires all of us, our whole being. It requires your vocal cords and your diaphragm. and requires you to open your mouth and breathe in air and produce more air back. We sing at special times. If you can understand a little bit of that story, you can understand the psalm that was just read to us. You see, what had happened was the people of God were in exile for generations. And all the biblical writers seem to agree their reason for being in exile was that they were unfaithful to their God, the God who led them out of slavery. Somehow, along the way, they become unfaithful to God and they find themselves in trouble. God leads them or lets them go into exile under the subjugation of a foreign power with their own culture, with its own gods, with its own ways of being. And there they are for generations trying to figure out what it means to be faithful to their God somewhere else, outside of their land, outside of the shadow of that holy temple and that holy mount where it is said that God dwelt among the people. And then they had to pass on this knowledge to new generations who never even saw their homeland or this temple. And it was hard. 
And now, the psalmist, the psalmist writes a new song because you see the people of God are allowed back into their land again. And so he writes these words. The words are pretty beautiful. They say things like, God, the one who led us out of Egypt, the one who allowed us to go into exile, the one who's letting us go back, that God's our salvation. That God is looking out for us. And it says, God, we're here. Bless your people. Bless us in your land. Look favorably upon us. It talks about how truthfulness and faithfulness and mercy kiss one another, righteousness springing up in the land with the people of God. It is a song of recommitment. It's a song of renewal. We're back. Here we are. We give ourselves to you. And you see, I think that's a profound psalm for today, for you and for me. If you've listened to any of my sermons or the other pastor's sermons during COVID, if you've gone to any of our classes, our hangout sessions, if you cared enough to pay attention even a little bit, you will have no doubt heard that we thought the most apt spiritual metaphor for our time of COVID-19, 18 plus months now, was exile. I suggest that if you wanted to grow in your faith during this time, you would remind yourselves of the fact that the people of God were not always in the comfortable land, living comfortably with God, but sometimes they were taken to the margins, and sometimes life was hard, and sometimes life was not what they wanted it to be. In fact, a good deal of the time, and that's life in exile. And you've got to figure out what it means to be faithful to God in an unknown place with weird and strange structures holding you down. We've been in exile, and it's been hard. Even those of you who didn't really go through a lockdown, you remained working. You weren't allowed to do a lot of the stuff that you normally did. We certainly didn't have an open door for 18 months here at the church. We were in exile together. Here is a psalmist writing a song about coming home. And I know there's a new variant out there, and I know a lot of people are vaccinated. I hope that you do get vaccinated if you can. But with all that said, we can see the world starting to open more and more and more and more. And you're back here in worship in this sanctuary. You're coming home. So maybe the psalmist is instructive to you and to me right now. It's time to recommit. Oh, I hope you were committed to God in exile. I hope you were. But I think the psalmist leads me to want to say to you, it's time for us to recommit to this community of faith. It's time for us to recommit to each other and the mission that God has called us to this place and time for. You've been hearing me say, if you've been listening, life is short. That's my mantra. COVID's taught me, if I didn't already know, that life is short. Life's too short for me to leave any more vacation dates on the table at the church. I'm not going to do that ever again, I promise you. I know you care about that, taking my vacations. But life is far too short for me to think only about what I want and my comfort. We were made to be together. Life's too short for us to not be looking each other in the eye and saying things like, I love you. 
I forgive you. You want to rock somebody's world? Look them in the eye and sincerely say this. How can I be praying for you? And mean it. The psalmist is calling us back as we're coming home to put our hearts commitment-wise with God and this community. We have always said at Peachtree Christian Church, since the founding documents, that we were a cathedral for Atlanta. For those of you who can turn around and look at that window that faces the great Peachtree Street of Atlanta, I'm asking you and telling you, turn around and look. (laughs) Jesus' hands are out to the city, and it says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. That's an incredible invitation to the city. This place has been a place where we've said, we want to be a safe haven for you to come and pray, to come and pray, to come explore God, to explore meaning and value between other human beings. Come on in. We don't care who you are. You are safe here. It's time to commit to that ethos. It's time to recommit to our values. We say that we're a community of reconciliation. This means that part of our job is helping restore what's broken between human beings and God. It also means that we need to help restore what is broken between one another. And if you're like me, and I know that you are, you are so sick and tired of our polarized, nasty world landscape that we're living in. Why are we not in the front of the line bringing healing to broken relationships? If you claim Christ, that's your calling. That's your job. It's your vocation. We like to say we're a community of cultivation. We ought to be cultivating faith and discipleship in our young. And not just the young of age, but the young of the faith. We need to be not just teaching with our mouths Christianisms and ideas. We need to be using our lives as examples for people. For faithfulness and holy living and mercy and grace. We like to say we're a community of care. I love that phrase. It's so simple to say, really hard to live into. Because what it means in this space right now, I'm just going to call it out like it truly is. Some of you voted for the right, some of you voted for the left. You're probably not really happy with each other over it. Some of you here probably read the scriptures and interpret homosexuality as wrong, and some of you are maybe gay yourself. There's differences even in this congregation on all kinds of things that we hold really importantly. But what it means is to be a community of care, it means to look each other in the eye and say, we may disagree, we may be struggling with this, but my God, I'm going to fight to make room for you at the table of our Lord, and we are going to go there together. Give me an amen. 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 Give me an amen on the camera, people. The psalmist is calling us back to ourselves, back home, where we can say once more, God, I'm here. We are here. Here we are, as Isaiah says, here am I, send me. A lot of people are worried about the future of the church. I'm not. I never have been worried about the future of Peachtree Christian Church. You want to know why? Because it's God's church. It's not my church. God's going to do with us what he will if we're faithful. We got a lot of faithful people. And we got a lot of people who want to embody that ethic of love. We got a lot of people who want to recommit to each other. You want to know how we're going to get out of this? Together. Psalmist says, 
Here we are, God. Use us.